Evans and Eddie Rye. Uh, I have a little technical difficulty. I want to apologize to my first guest, Leslie Jones, who is the chief officer for uh, of La chief officer of uh, labor relations at Sound Transit. Correct my my uh, no, chief officer of labor relations at Sound Transit. Leslie, how you doing? I'm doing well, Eddie. How are you? Okay, hey, whatever's you on the line with us? There we go. I unmuted myself. I'm on the line. Okay, yeah, we, we're getting this technology down, Leslie, so we have to keep practicing more than just once a week. So, but anyway, I know you've been Zooming all week. Uh, Leslie, the first thing I want to say is thank you for being here. Appreciate what you're doing. And when I post you on Facebook, I can see you're still as popular as ever with all the congratulatory remarks that you got and notes of appreciation. But uh, recently, uh, as far as I know, your office, uh, the name of the office, I don't know, the mission is probably the same. Could you explain our listeners uh, uh, your new position and also the reconstruction of the office? Eddie? Yes, okay. I'm not, you, you cut out. Okay, no, I was just saying, uh, I was just talking about your office. Uh, there's a new name and you also have a new title. And I was just asking yeah. if you could explain to listeners uh, the reconfiguration of the office and the mission, the mission still the same. And also talk about your new role as chief officer for labor relations at Sound Transit. Oh, thank you, Eddie. I'll be more than happy to. Um, as you all may know, Sound Transit has the largest capital construction uh, in the country right now. As voters, we passed ST3, which was a $54 billion initiative. Uh, in order for us to make sure that we were positioned and organized uh, in a way that allowed us to meet that challenge of aggressively expanding our system and growing our operations, we wanted to make sure that the way we were uh, structured allowed us to do that. And as a result of that, we formed a new office that I head up, is the Office of Labor Relations. Uh, that office is really at the bottom line. We're responsible for making sure that we're increasing equitable access to real to economic prosperity for the region's construction workforce. So for my team, we really are focusing in on increasing diversity in the region's construction workforce and administering our project labor agreement. From a goal perspective, we know that um, currently with all of the work we've done at Sound Transit, we've worked about 22 million labor hours and today, in the year 2020, we have about 20, uh, uh, 12,000 construction workers annually, and we're going to need to ramp that up to 14,000 uh, annually by the time we get to 2029. So I have the opportunity to really uh, do everything we can to provide um, job opportunities for individuals in the construction industry. Now, for our DBE program that I used to have, we have formed a new office called the Office of Civil Rights, Equity, and Inclusion. That's being headed, headed up by Jante Robinson, who will do an amazing job on that. And she will have overall responsibility for our DBE, small business, Title VI, EEO programs, all in, under her alignment. So when we focus on um, the Office of Labor Relations, um, to put in perspective, we know that we have about um, 2,000 workers on our job every day. Um, we are uh, in the middle of building about 40.4 miles of light rail, and we have we maybe, maybe right now about $15 billion of work going on. So for me, anything that I can do <clears throat> to retain the skilled workers on San Francisco projects, uh, to minimize the impact of a workforce shortage by really identifying barriers uh, to retention. Uh, it is going to be critical for us because as a region back in 2017, we had about a 10% workforce shortage. And that's not just for Sound Transit, but that was a regional uh, shortage. Everyone came together. And when I say everyone, I'm talking about the city, the county, the port, Washtenaw. Others came together uh, to work collaboratively to really kind of bring that uh, shortage level down. And we were successful. Uh, we were able to bring it down to about 2, 2.2%. But there's still an awful lot of work out there, and we've got so many uh, different crafts that people uh, can uh, go into. So if any of our listeners 
uh, themselves, their family, their friends, their neighbors that are interested in going in the construction industry. Let's say they want to be a carpenter or, or electrician or a truck driver or a laborer for that matter. Um, those are the types of jobs we have available. And uh, Eddie and Hayward, one of the things that we were able to put together is what we call a uh, 2020 Construction Apprenticeship Guidebook. This guidebook then tells uh, folks how they need to go about uh, getting a job in the construction uh, industry. Everything you ever needed to know but were afraid to ask are, are in that document. And we really start with our pre-apprentice programs. Those pro- programs are really hands-on training that helps prepare people for, the, for, for entry and success in the building trades. Um, what we look for is uh, usually the minimum qualifications are 18 years of, uh, of age, um, have a high school diploma, Maybe they don't ask for a high school diploma, just a driver's license and a clean clean, uh, drug test. This document then identifies for folks the application process, what do they need to be successful, how much they could make in terms of hourly wages, and who specifically to contact either in Keene, Pierce, and Snohomish County. Um, This guide, uh, there is a lot of work put into this uh, because it allows folks to say, okay, if I'm a starting apprentice, for example, I just happen to have carpenters open in front of me, they start at $44.07 an hour, and when they get to a journey level, uh, they make uh, $62.44. So we try to put it in dollars uh, for people to understand what kind of wages, what kind of benefits uh, uh, they would receive in a particular craft. So what we've been doing is uh, we've partnered, for an example, with the uh, Urban League uh, of uh, Metropolitan Seattle. Uh, Michelle and her team have been helping us, for an example, uh, with driver's license renewal. Uh, we've got a number of people that um, as a result of fines and other things, they have had their driver's license taken away. Uh, the Urban League have been doing an amazing job of working with uh, each client to get their driver's license back so that they can get into the construction uh, industry. So those are the kinds of things that we're doing. Um, also, what I'm finding is it's important for us to be able to provide uh, support services. Support services are, for example, for anything uh, an apprentice or pre-apprentice might need. Uh, their battery died. They need help with childcare. They, whatever the issues are, we help them buy their boots and their hard hats and their, their all of their um, personal protective equipment uh, that they need to start in the business. Um, so support. Leslie, let, let me stop you right there. <laughs> with all you just offered up, what I like to have you do is would you please uh, give the information on where people can access uh, or uh, contact information so they can access the information you're talking about because that's very inspirational because a lot of people, that's an impediment for them to get started. But if you could give give us that information, and then I want to know, Haven wants to talk about about Reverend Ricky Willis and what we have at the pre-apprenticeship program in in conjunction with the Urban Lake that's happening right now at the SBI uh, facility. Oh, tell me about it. Go ahead, Hayward. Oh, no, Leslie, look at I'm going to start by congratulating you. Congratulations. The Martin Luther King Commemoration Committee, August 28th, at the 57th anniversary march on Washington, bestowed the Ake Karose Public Agency Award on you. I mean, come on. No, for your, for your, look at, for your leadership, how you've championed diversity, inclusion, social equity. You have lived the life that embodies the principles of Dr. King by our committee. And, and, that's, and that's why we confer this on candidates, people such as yourself. We look at you and the philosophies you carry, uh, Leslie, philosophy of nonviolence, reconciliation, folks coming together, and you promote and protect all human beings. Race doesn't matter, creed, religion, nationality, gender, sexual orientation. So anybody out there in the listenership you want to find a good person, a good program, you need to go talk to Leslie. And Leslie, we're running out of time. You need to give us our, your contact information, please. Okay. 
Thank you. I'm just uh, honored with that award. Thank you both. I appreciate it. Um, I would like everybody to go to the website of www.bitly.com backslash apprentice guidebook. Um, uh, that's where you go um, to find the uh, construction uh, guidebook that I just got through talking about. So that's bitly.com backslash apprenticeship guidebook for that information. And you, anyone that wants to contact me, please feel to reach out to me at Sound Transit. Uh, my email is leslie.joan at soundtransit.org. Okay, we're going to contact you and bring you Reverend Willis. His program was magnificent. I'm sorry, Eddie. Oh, no problem. No, I was amazing. just thanking Leslie for its time today. And we'll definitely be in touch because we do have the board has been formed for the Central District Community Preservation and Development Authority, which will be known as the McKinney Center at the old SOIC building. And uh, the pre-apprenticeship program will be located there. Pastor Lawrence Willis is heading it up. It's under the auspices of the Urban League right now. And we definitely will want the sound transit to be coming through with the jobs and contract opportunities to that facility. So thank you very much, Leslie Jones, and congratulations. Outstanding job. Thank you. Appreciate you guys. Take care. Okay, now. Okay, Hayward, so you got about uh, three minutes to talk about the Martin Luther King Commemoration Committee Countywide Art Contest that kicked off on August 28th. So go right ahead. Oh, thank you. And you know, it's not just countywide. Anybody in the state can contribute. But our focus and emphasis is going to be on Martin Luther King County. But the reason is, why are we doing it? Well, last year, Eddie, as you know, we built a float. First float in over 30 years that was in the Seafair Torchlight Parade, and we won first place for workmanship. So I want to, I want to salute all the people, this broad cross-section of grassroots community, faith-based leaders who've been working with us all this time. But now, because of the virus, and uh, the governor and everybody's being quarantined. We changed the statement, you know, through, through our meetings to a vision of unity arts contest. Why? The, the arts contest is designed for people to have self-expression. We all know art is healing through painting, through uh, photography, through there's so many different venues through art, photography, music singing, dance, theater. So we have five different categories. We're going to have the information out there very, very soon for the people in the community. The one that's near and dear to me, and you know this, Eddie, it's the Martin Luther King Civil Rights Memorial Park. Come on, because we got the name changed. We need to come up with designs that's going to make it recreational and educational significant. We need to have restrooms down there, play areas for children. And I know we talked about three, four years from now, breaking ground for the Pacific Northwest Civil Rights Memorial Museum. It's not fair for all the people like Jerry Ware, Roberta Bird Barr, uh, Edwin Pratt, these people who've done great things here locally, locally to get lost, lost in time. Their, their children are the ones who are here and they need to be acknowledged and become the stakeholders. Uh, we're going to be coming out very, very soon with the information. Uh, we've been in contact with uh, Angela uh, Poe Russell over at Evening Magazine. She's very interested in working with us, highlighting the artists. And so I'm just looking forward to the future, making sure that everybody has the information and everybody could contribute. We go, we go from pre-K through adult. And your skill set, that's a non-issue. The issue is what's in your heart. What's your spirit for unity? Because right now it's about a unifying factor. We don't need any divisiveness like number 45 and what he's promoting. We need to come together to embedder everybody. Nobody is left out. Our umbrella covers everybody. That's mm -hmm. even the award we've just gave out. Yeah, we'll be doing this uh, here. We have uh, Steve Smith, Executive Director of the Black Education Strategy Roundtable on the line. And we'll be doing something every week with updating uh, Martin Luther King Commemoration Co Committee Art Contest. And uh, Steve Smith would be a good judge, hey, because he's yes, an educator. Yes, I agree. Steve, yes. are you online? Hello there. How are you today? Okay. Uh, Eddie Ryan. Hey, what happened, Steve? Hey, uh, I, we talked earlier offline. I was talking to you about what caught my eye is that you guys were the uh, Black Education Strategy Roundtable were doing something with the Seattle Seahawks. So uh, before we talk about that, why don't you just, for our listeners that don't know what you guys do, 
just explain a little bit about the organization, uh, what the kind of work you do and your goals in this whole process. Yeah, thank you. Um, um, so the Black Education Strategy Roundtable um, is, uh, our mission is to create um, on our K-12 system in Washington State um, equitable outcomes for all students with a special emphasis on black students. Um, and that is our focus, that we want our black students uh, to come out of uh, high school with their diploma, ready and prepared to pursue on to um, the next phase of their education and career. And our work is around mostly policy and advocacy things. Um, so we don't do direct service, but we are working with uh, the agencies that state that create rules, um, with districts um, as they implement rules and with the state legislature to try to make sure that we are putting things in place that will benefit and help um, black students and their families uh, be much more successful in our K-12 system. And Steve, what, what areas do you focus in on in terms of uh, you're in King and Pierce County? Well, um, so given our, our work with the, at a state level, um, we, our work is going to impact things across the state. So um, whether it's the State Board of Education or the legislature or the um, OSPI, the Office of Superintendent of Public Instruction, um, all of those things that we work with, those have impact for students across the state. And so that's what our focus is. It's not just uh, the Puget Sound region. And it's been a, a volunteer organization. Where do you get your your uh, folks from to come together to make uh, these educational dreams become a reality for the two students you're working with? Yeah, we, we have been, uh, prior to the uh, pandemic, we were doing uh, some quarterly meetings uh, that would come together and, and 40 to 50 people in the room and sort of update them on different issues that are going on, get feedback in from them on those things. Um, I've grabbed some people to go down and testify with me at the legislature to talk about here are the impacts that are going on, um, and to provide other feedback and, and, and spaces as we move forward. And in fact, there's a lot of effort and conversation right now with other partner organizations, other advocacy organizations that are working to improve outcomes for um, especially um, black and brown students, um, that uh, what we can do to actually bring more students and parents and families to the tables for actual conversations, and not just always leave it up to us who are working in the area, um, but we want to make sure that we are hearing directly from um, our families and our students about what their needs are, what things need to happen for them, and so that we are really focused on making their lives better. And how can people get information on uh, the Black Education Strategy Roundtable? Um, you can do it uh, either two ways. Um, you can go to our website, which is besrwa.org. Um, in, or you can shoot me a, uh, an email. Um, I'm Steve at BESRWA.org. Um, those are two great ways to get a hold of us. And um, we're, we're small. There's two of us in the office. Well, we're not in the office these days, but Pam and I um, are the staff, and uh, Pam keeps the whole operation flowing and roaring uh, with us. And um, so that's uh, a great way to just shoot me an email or uh, um, go to our website and drop us a note there. And so since you're a statewide organization, but I would say uh, you guys have, you, got, you said two people in the office. I wonder what a special project you were doing with the Seahawks. That kind of caught my eye. What is that about? Well, so we actually heard from them and we're actually promoting some work that was going on um, that the Seahawks were um, significantly involved with. And it's actually a fund that's called All in Washington. And it's helping to raise dollars to support um, the needs of our education system um, during COVID-19. Um, and so the Seahawks were one of the organizations that um, folks came together uh, and to see what could be done. And so some things like the digital divide, uh, how can we help uh, provide funds to make sure that um, all students have uh, equal access to um, computers, uh, the Internet, um, and to find out, you know, the, in all those different connections, so that as they're engaging in remote learning, um, that our black and brown students can um, stay um, equally engaged and not for fall, fall further behind. So that's what the the CS were doing, and we just sort of jumped on with that and sort of said, hey, let's let's get that information out to folks, and uh, just been sharing that and encouraging people to um, uh, to to help create that uh, fund and to make that stuff go forward. 
Now, we do have statewide uh, black educational organizations, black organizations of black educators, I, I should say. Do we have statewide organizations? They're primarily regional. Um, so a lot of um, there's there's some some regional um, um, educators associations. So um, uh, there's a, this in Seattle. Uh, there's a Black Educators Association um, with uh, um, that we've been quite engaged with on a variety of things. And so is that, that Ina Hall? That's Ina. Yes. That's, that's okay. Ina yeah. Hall. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so, we're, uh, we're, done, done a lot of she's work a leader in Mount Zion Church as well. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, those are great, and so that helps um, put us put us puts us in place. And most recently, we're starting up a new initiative, a new alliance: um, um, the Northwest African American Museum, um, the um, BSR, um, Delbert Richardson and his Traveling Museum, um, right. and um, Stephanie Matabur from um, the Black um, Cultural. Um, um, I don't know the name of organizations is looking at the second. But these are all um, four or five organizations uh, we've come together recently to, we're calling ourselves the Black Education History um, and um, Alliance. Um, and so that um, we're trying to look at uh, all of the different resources that many of these organizations have, um, such as blackpast.org. Uh, mm-hmm. with Clinton R. Taylor, you know, and that there's all these resources about um, black people, and especially here in Washington State and the accomplishments that have been made. And we're trying to figure out, come together and say, how can we help um, promote this information even more? How we've got these great organizations that are doing fantastic work. Um, how can we uh, push the, this information further and get it out more to school districts? Um, into families uh, so that they know what is happening and they can take advantage of these opportunities. So we're pretty excited by, by this piece that is coming together. Um, we are started to do some work with the Seattle School District um, and some of their teacher preparation programs that they have going on. And uh, so we'll see what uh, all comes with that. Okay, I want to I want to make see if my uh, co-host Haven Evans oh. had a question or comment for you, Steve. Yeah. Absolutely, Steve. First, first, thank you. I love that systematic approach to change in education. Uh, I guess my question is going to be, you know, because we're pushing opportunity and to address that achievement gap. But, but I'm going to digress and say that that Black Education Alliance, the group you have, you better interview Eddie. I've been trying to get him to start his publication, write the book, Eddie. The history is so critical. What we have here locally, yeah. we absolutely, Eddie and I, I know. I know me personally, absolutely want to work with that group because we've been researching the history in this state of black folk contributions for the last last couple of years. But I'm going to ask you about going into Olympia this year, 2021, because, again, if you only got two people, I think you need a lot more money. And so I'm on board to supporting the Black Education Strategy Roundtable so that they have the financial resources to address this achievement gap. We're talking about something huge here. How can we help you? Yeah, um, a couple of different things that are going on that have been really promising in the midst of um, the COVID-19. Um, one of the things is, so we're a small organization, um, which is very true, but there are other large advocacy organizations that have, we've been partnered with uh, for a number of years, the Washington Roundtable, Stand for Children, the League of Education Voters, uh, to name a couple of those. And uh, we we team with them and, and doing work um, to, to move things forward. But as this COVID piece came forward, and then also with George Floyd's murder um, and the social unrest that has come up from that and the calling for justice for, for black people, it has become more apparent to many of the um, more powerful, larger organizations that they're not listening enough to voices of color. Um, and so there was some intentional work that leadership work um, within our organizations are now um, looking to say, how do we listen better to organizations of color that are uh, involved with this? And so um, it's been exciting that um, Angela Jones, who's with uh, um, uh, Washington STEM, and uh, Bernadette Metro, who's with the Roadmap Project, and myself, Sherline Wilson, who's with Democrats for Education Reform, we've set, um, we've been thinking into a major leadership role in terms of advocacy for 
um, what's happening in, in the education system. And not only that, we have taken it with the stance of we are about anti-black um, focus. It's very much race-specific and a focus on black students. Um, it's not saying that we're not we're worried about all students, but with a very strong emphasis on black students because we believe strongly that if you improve the outcomes for black students, you're going to improve the outcomes for everybody because you're going to have better systems in place that meet the needs, and black students are always at the bottom of the achievement gap. So we've got some really strong allies coming together. And then, as I was mentioning before, we're also working on how do we do better community engagement with bringing people to the table uh, with their direct voice and their direct experiences. So we have surveys, we have different things that we've gathered information from, but we're also looking at how do we help bring some students and parents um, directly into some conversations. And so I think those are going to be really powerful things. Um, you don't have to be large to make a big wave and to make some change. Um, and if you just partner yourself well with others, you can make things happen. And that's, um, that's our strategy right now. You know, Steve, I really like your strategy, but for me, cultural competency is critical. And I think they need to see uh, people of our hue at the helm. Yeah. That's, that's me with a personal statement. But in that vein, what about this year in Olympia? What are you proposing and what kind of dollars are needed? Granted, you're working with all these other groups, but I, I'd really like to help strengthen your organization. Yeah, um, so thank you. We are, um, you know, one is trying to save as much money um, for education and services that support black students. Um, so that's that's one piece. Um, so we're trying to make sure that bu budget cuts um, are as minimal as possible because with the current um, revenue um, situation for the state, um, they're going to be making cuts. And so we know those things are happening, but we'll be working to uh, minimize Refocus those. priorities. Cuts are okay. Refocus priorities, not to cut you off. Yeah, yeah no, no. And actually, our, our major priorities is actually in some policy areas where we do not want to um, let standards slip back. What happens is that we create standards and rules and policies in our state that um, allow black students to be pushed down to the lowest levels, that we well, get them through yes. high school, but they really don't know anything. They don't know the essential skills and, um, <clears throat> uh, and information they should have when they come out. So we're doing things to strengthen um, how do we make their high school and K-12 experience uh, much more robust and, 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 and put in place. So we've done things to make sure that students are being pushed forward into uh, more advanced classes when they're capable and doing that because they have not been in the past. Counselors will take black students and say, no, you can't do an advanced class because you're a black right. kid. We're just going to put you over here. Mm -hmm. We're working hard to change those mm -hmm. kind of systemic things. Not to change the Hey, we're just about out of time. Excuse me, we're just about out of time. Steve, I like where he was going with uh, being able to muster a force for uh, the, the session coming up. So we'll like to have we'll have you back on before then because we want to find exactly what's happening with this uh, distant learning. So thank yeah. you very much for your time today, Steve. We certainly okay. appreciate it. And Thanks you're welcome to come back at any time. We'll do. Take care, man. Okay. Okay, thank you. So, uh, Eric, can we uh, have some uh, Jimi Hendrix? Uh, tomorrow is the 50th anniversary of the death of uh, Jimi Hendrix from Seattle. And uh, so we want to have a little Jimi Hendrix today to pay tribute to my late friend. Why sit in bumper-to-bumper -bumper traffic when you can hop on Link Light Rail and fly by the gridlock? It's a smoother, easier, stress-free way to get where you want to go. Whether you're heading north to Capitol Hill and the University of Washington or south to Columbia City, Tukwila, and the airport, Link Light Rail will get you there quickly and safely. And if you have an ORCA card, even better. Just tap on the yellow card reader when you get on and listen for the beep to let you know your card has been accepted. Then tap your card reader again once you've reached your destination and listen for the double beep to let you know you've tapped off correctly. To find the closest Linklight Rail station or to learn how to get an ORCA card, just go to soundtransit.org and type Linklight Rail into the search bar. Sound Transit's Linklight Rail. Just another way that Sound Transit is powering progress.
Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity and Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.seataxhops.com. Make us part of your daily routine. Alternative Talk 1150. All right, now, thank you very much, Eric. As I indicated before the break, uh, tomorrow, September 18th, is the 50th anniversary of the death of Jimi Hendrix uh, from Seattle. So anyway, our next guest for Hayward Evans and Eddie Rye is Bob Armstead, who is immediate past president of the National Association of Minority Contracts of Washington State Chapter and a stalwart in the Civil Rights Coalition and has been holding a lot of folks' uh, feet to the fire. Uh, so uh, we got a bunch of controversies going, trying to seek equity. So, Bob, why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners, and then let's talk about some very specific issues in terms of what we have to do as uh, African descendants of the United States enslaved to gain economic justice in our country that we fought and died for. Well, Eddie, uh, thank you for having me on. And there are... are so many uh, issues that I, I will try to just concentrate on, on one or two for the, uh, the time that we have available. Uh, when you have situations in Washington State as relate to Washington State uh, public contracting, where you have small business, minority-owned businesses, and women-owned businesses uh, put in situations where they have to compete with uh, international firms, international firms that for 2019 had gross revenue of $46.2 billion. Uh, and you say, well, you know, it's a level playing field. Everyone just go out and compete and we'll award the contract to that uh, firm that can best compete. Well, there, there's no way that a $200,000 a year company can compete with a $46.2 billion company. Uh, and especially when you have a situation where you uh, have a subject matter or the scope of work uh, of the contract is involved with uh, diversity, equity, inclusion, where you have to have conversations uh, with all sides that are uncomfortable for all sides. You have to be willing to discuss specific true issues as opposed to speaking in generalities. And you have this $46.2 billion company that has been called out by the governing board for corporations in their country of domicile for having uh, made substantial errors in their uh, conducting their uh, consultancy and auditing business uh, because primarily of their desire to get re repeat business. So you will not get a uh, true and accurate reading of them uh, regarding problems because they're, as this report states, more interested in pleasing the client than providing true and accurate information. Uh, so there, there are so many things that you would think that the agency uh, putting out the solicitation would look at before they would even agree to having certain firms uh, participate in their solicitation and bidding process. Uh, also, there are several agencies 
and the state of Washington that are responsible for ensuring that there's a level playing field for uh, minority and small businesses. And you have to wonder what it is that they're doing or whether or not the state has really empowered them to do anything uh, when situations like this occur. Uh, if there had been a real look at this particular situation, there's no way that a firm like this would have been allowed to uh, to compete with minority and small businesses. Bob, and let me just say, let me just say, this was an RFP put by the Washington State Patrol. Now, you would think that the Washington State Patrol would have done all the research on this firm that others have done before they even thought about awarding them the contract. And for all intent and purposes, the Washington State Patrol intended on awarding this contract to this company with all these flaws and all these other complaints they've had. And you would think <clears throat> that the police in, uh, in Washington State would do their due diligence. How could this possibly have happened for them not to know all these flaws in this company, even though they did? $46.2 billion. And then I guess that would make about every small business and every woman and minority business involved with human resources contracting, that would put them out of business. Is that correct? Uh, they, there's no way that they can compete with it. it, it it's, it's just impossible. Uh, they have so many ways of, of becoming successful that uh, small business, any small business, and specifically minority small businesses, just cannot compete with them. Uh, so there, there are there are ways, and those processes and procedures exist in the state. And when they are utilized, these kinds of things do not happen. So the question is, what happened in this instance, uh, where those process and procedures did not identify? you know, the potential problems with even considering a firm like this for a project like this. Uh, it, it just didn't happen. And you have to wonder how many situations like this occur every day and how many minority-owned businesses and small businesses are willing to challenge the system. Uh, it People do not realize how much power the state has and that things like retaliation and retribution are against state and federal law, but it happens every day. And you are aware of situations that, that I've been involved in where there's retaliation and retribution. So there are so many firms just because they, they want to continue to be in business, uh, to do business with the state or anyone else, that they don't come forward when things like this happen. So there's a real strong need for there to be some independent uh, organization or independent contract that oversees these things, that provides information directly to the state legislature and other governing bodies about what is in fact happening in their organizations. Uh, the people who are employees of those organizations, organizations are also concerned about retaliation and retribution. So often they do not speak up. Uh, we, we have situations where organizations specifically exclude uh, minority and, and specifically black-owned firms uh, in, in many areas because they do not know of the uh, experience and capabilities of the firms and in some cases just because they're uh, concerned about their own security. And uh, an, an example, you have a guy like Franklin Reigns, you know, born and raised in Seattle, who cannot do investment banking in Seattle but he can become the first black uh, chairman of the board of a Fortune 500 company. Uh, he runs the Office of Management and Budget uh, for uh, the federal government. He becomes chairman or co-chairman of Fannie Mae. 
you have Leonard Berry, who tries for years to establish a investment banking business in Seattle with no success. But then he's able to run the investment banking business for the first and only black that had a seat on the New York Stock Exchange. Uh, he's currently managing partner for an investment banking firm in San Francisco. So the talent is here in Washington State and specifically in, in Seattle, which we're discussing, uh, but the opportunities are not. And people who are in positions to bring about change are concerned about, in some instances, about offending people and not wanting to, you know, bring the dirty, ugly uh realities out. But when people think that the only reason so many people of all races got in, involved in the public protest against the George Floyd execution is because they saw how dirty and nasty and flagrant it was. So well, Bob, you have out of time willing to we'll definitely have you back on. Stuff. Uh, we're out of time today, Bob. Bob Armstead, we appreciate uh, you clarifying some issues for us. And we will be on discussion because it's about our economic interests and about us being included as African descendants of United States enslaved. So thanks very much, Bob Armstead. Thank you, Eddie. Okay. And before we go to Erica Conway, I want to let you know that Urban Forum is brought to you by Sound Transits. Uh, uh, Small Business Development Labor Compliance Office, the City of Seattle's Purchase and Construction Services Office, uh, the Port of Seattle's Diversity Contracting Office, uh, Concourse Concessions out of SeaTac with Dave Fukuhara, uh, SeaTac Bar Group LLC with Jerry Whitson and Rod O'Neill. They also have, have the Africa Lounge at the Mountain Bar and the Africa Lounge is uh, serving Congolese food. So now we have a mover and shaker on the line with us, Erica Conway who is the co-chair of the Seattle NAACP Freedom Fund and co-chair of the Seattle NAACP Political Action Committee, a busy lady, and she's going to talk about the voter registration drive they have coming up. So welcome to Urban Forum Northwest with Hayward Evans and Eddie Rye, Erica Conway. Thank you, Mr. Rye. Thank you, Mr. Evans. Um, very happy to be here today. Um, we are having national voter registration, which is September 22nd. Uh, we are partnering with the Rainier Beach Safeway at 9262 Rainier Avenue South. Um, we will have um, a DJ mask giveaway. Um, we will be registering individuals to vote. Um, we're really trying to make sure that people understand this is a very important election. Um, not only nationally, but locally. And so we're just getting the word out and registering people and answering any questions that anyone that um, have. And uh, this will be uh, from what time to what time? And I, I know be, Larry Wilmore, the Safeway manager, probably had a lot to do with it. He's a good person. Yes, he was one of our unsung heroes. Um, um, last year. So it actually will be from 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. And then why don't you share with our listeners a little bit about the Freedom Fund, and when you finish that, we want to hear about the Political Action Committee. Okay, so let me just say this, Mr. Rye. Um, if anyone has not registered to vote, um, you still have time. You can go to votewall.gov to register, um, to track your ballot, to change your address, um, even to just to see if you are registered. Um, and um, like you said, I am a part of the Freedom Fund. I am the co-chair. And our Freedom Fund will be November 9th through the 13th. It is a, um, a virtual Freedom Fund. This is new to us. Um, we are looking for virtual ambassadors. If anyone is interested in helping us raise money for the Freedom Fund, they can email Freedom Fund at Seattle King County NAACP.org. We are also involved in our candidate form, which is September 28th through October 1st, which is virtual. 
Um, and we're very excited about that. September 28th will be um, our judicial race, which is position 13 and position 30. Um, Craig Sands is going to be our moderator for that event. And then the 29th will be um, District 37. Chris Parker is our moderator for that event. Um, September 30th is District 11, which is Dr. Kimberly Hardin is our moderator. And then on October 1st, will be um, District 30 and Nick Brown is our moderator for that event. And that will be um, 6.30 to 8 o'clock each day. Okay, I want to see if my co-host, Haywood Evans, who's a PCO and a uh, uh, member of the NAACP in good standing. Haywood, do you have a question or comments for you know, Erica? I, I, you know, I'm so glad the NAACP is doing what it's doing, Erica. This is absolutely fantastic. And I love the way the NAACP has been stressing, everybody, come on now, y'all got to vote. And if you haven't looked at CNN and Eddie, your daughter, and what's going on, and this Attorney General Barr, come on. Please, everybody out there, check out what's going on, because you know this is not uniting the nation. But from that perspective, can you tell us about this uh, the, the virtual program that's going to take place on November 9th through the 13th? So um, it is our Freedom Fund, and usually we would have a dinner or a ball, but because of the pandemic, um, we're doing something different. And the Freedom Fund Committee is partnering with um, GFS, which is um, an organization that does a lot of virtual um, freedom, I mean, a lot of virtual um, um, campaigning, um, raise fundraising, I should say. And so um, we're excited about it because this is something new for us. And so we're looking for the community to get out and help the NAACP raise money. Um, we're all volunteers. And so in order to help the organization, we need the community's help. And so, um, like I stated before, we are looking for virtual ambassadors who can get out and, and talk to their friends and family to help us raise money. Our goal is $25,000. And that's not a lot of money, but that is definitely doable if we have everybody's help, if everybody can contribute. And so we're asking the community to support us so that we can do what we've been doing for over 100 years, and that's helping the community. Now, you know, Eric, Eric, let me let me ask you, can you uh, give our listeners uh, the website for the NAACP or how they can uh, sign up online, become a member online? Sure. You can go to Seattle, um, King County, NAACP dot org and you can become a member. Um, it's only thirty dollars a year. Um you can be a lifetime member um, or you can donate. And so all the information is definitely on our website. If you're interested in being um, a virtual ambassador, you can email freedomfund at seattlekingcountynaacp.org. And we would love to have you, um, we would love to have you work with us. Okay. Okay. Hey, would you have any further comments or questions? Yes. You know, and, and again, uh, Carolyn Riley Payne was so proud of her. Tell me what's going on with Axel and then how you can work with the Martin Luther King Commemoration Committee's art contest, because we have a big contest going right through the election period up into December. And I think it really fits with Axel. Currently, Axel is um, looking for students and um Monica T.L. Lewis is the chairperson for Axel. But if you go onto our website, you can get her email address. And um, we are definitely looking for students. And one of the competitions is art. And so um, we would be willing to partner. I'm sure Monica T.L. Lewis will be willing to partner in working um, with the Martin Luther King. Committee. Okay, we, I, I appreciate that information. You know, Eddie's daughter was the winner. <laughs> Eddie's daughter yeah, was the winner. So was so was Dr. Quentin Morris, who was down down at Seattle University. So, <laughs> yeah. So so no, uh, Carolyn Riley Payne, but boy, 
she got students that excel forever and a day. And uh, so, Eric, I want to thank you very much. So we're going to have you back on as things develop because we want to make sure that our listening audience keep up with what our uh, civil rights organization is doing uh, to uh, fight for their freedom. We want to make sure everybody go online and join the NAACP, too. I got to renew thank my you. membership as well, I must admit. Mine went sour a little while ago for obvious reasons to some people on the I inside. Mr. Wright, can I just say this? The NAACP right is definitely out there working and doing what we need to do for the community. And so I ask everyone to join in on our candidates forum on um, September 28th through October 1st to ask questions, um, to get involved, to see who is running. Um, and um, to show up on September 22nd at the Rainier Beach Safeway and so um, from 2 to 6. And so I appreciate you and um, Mr. Evans for allowing um, the NAACP to be a part. Okay. Well, thank you very much and much thank success you. and keep up the good work. That's what we need in our community to make sure thank that folks so get involved in the process. So, okay, then. So uh, we'll see you again uh, next Thursday. Why sit in bumper-to-bumper traffic when you can hop on Link Light Rail and fly by the gridlock? It's a smoother, easier, stress-free way to get where you want to go. Whether you're heading north to Capitol Hill in the University of Washington or south to Columbia City, Tukwila, and the airport, Link Light Rail will get you there quickly and safely. And if you have an ORCA card, even better. Just tap on the yellow card reader when you get on and listen for the beep to let you know your card has been accepted. Then tap your card reader again once you've reached your destination and listen for the double beep to let you know you've tapped off correctly. To find the closest Link Light Rail station or to learn how to get an ORCA card, just go to soundtransit.org and type Link Light Rail into the search bar. Sound Transit's Link Light Rail. Just another way that Sound Transit is powering progress. Hi, my name is Mian Rice, the Diversity and Contracting Director for the Port of Seattle. As a public agency, the Port of Seattle serves the community and our investments should benefit everyone who lives and works here. The Port is committed to equity, diversity, and inclusion and to leveling the playing field. That means continuing to open doors to contracting opportunities to all, especially women and minority-owned and disadvantaged businesses. How can you participate? List your business in Vendor Connect, a database of contractors. Attend PortGen workshops to learn how to do business with the port. Learn more about contracting opportunities at portseattle.org. For more information on operating a concessions at Seattle Tacoma International Airport, visit lease.seataxshops.com.